thought capital. The world changed dramatically. Sustainable business practices. Phenomenally important with young people. Riding the Chinese tiger. Leadership goes beyond making a profit. Let's be forward thinking. We do need to accommodate difference. Hello, I'm Michael Pascoe. If we're ever to have equality. Welcome to Thought Capital, the podcast that delves into the wealth of ideas created by the experts at Monash Business School in Melbourne, Australia. There's about 15,000 people living in slavery conditions in Australia on any given day. There's high risk of slavery in electronics, construction, seafood, agriculture, in domestic work. Slavery. It brings to mind images of African people being shipped in chains to America 200 years ago. But slavery has never stopped. It may be more hidden. We may not be able to see it on our doorstep, yet we may be contributing to it through the products we buy and the companies we support. Ingrid Landau, lecturer in the Department of Business, Law, Taxation at Monash Business School, specialises in modern slavery and labour law. Welcome, Ingrid. Thank you. What defines modern slavery? Today, the forms of slavery are very different. So slavery is very much about extremely exploitative working conditions, often. It's about um, workers being not able to leave their work, not being free, um, and being subject to threats, whether it's um, violent threats, coercion, indebtedness, or so on. The International Labour Organisation and Walk Free Foundation claim there are more than 40 million slaves in the world in 2016, 70% of them women. Does that gel with your research? Yes, definitely. Those are the the most authority figures we have from the International Labour Organization. What's important to recognize as well is that the majority of those in modern slavery today are actually in our own region in the Asia Pacific. And the majority of slaves are also um, engaged in forced labor and indentured labor. Is there a fine line between a subsistence existence and actual slavery? It's a spectrum, I guess, and there is certainly a fine line between exploitative working conditions and slavery. Most people don't realise that modern slavery is not a legal term. It's a term that has been developed over the last couple of decades to refer to a particular set of very exploitative conditions. You cannot be prosecuted for modern slavery. Under our new Modern Slavery Act, for example, is defined as certain offences under the criminal code. So they include human trafficking, forced labour, bonded labour and slavery. So we know about it. It's huge. Why is it so hard to fight? For a number of reasons. Firstly, it's hard to detect because the nature of the crime is that it tends to be hidden away and it tends to involve very vulnerable individuals and victims. More importantly, perhaps less comfortably, um, it's embedded in our global economy and our global production systems. As a colleague who specialises in working with companies around the world likes to say, it's baked into our production. So in that sense, that's why it is very hard to fight without having the full cooperation, I guess, and engagement of not just governments, but businesses and consumers and civil society You say modern slavery is predominantly in our part of the world, our region. What countries and what industries? Um, Developing countries, but also in countries where migrants tend to move for work. So we know, for example, that um, Malaysia 
Thailand have particular problems with forced labour and slavery. It is found particularly in industries where there is lots of workers who are paid very poorly. Electronics, um, seafood, in agriculture, in construction, in domestic work, all industries with a very high prevalence of um, slavery. And Australia, we're not immune? Uh, No, we're not immune. Um, It is less common in Australia, but um, the Walk Free Foundation has estimated that there's about 15,000 people living in slavery conditions in Australia on any given day. Again, these cases tend to um, exist in sectors where there are lots of very vulnerable workers and poor working conditions. So again, agriculture, construction, meat processing, domestic work, cleaning, hospitality um, and food services. The general impression of slavery in Australia is perhaps sex trafficking and the odd feudal diplomat bringing household staff. But the problem is much more widespread than that. Heather Moore is the Managing Director of the Trafficking and Slavery Research Group at Monash University. She's with us from Canberra. There's no clear answer to that question of who is the modern slave, because it can be the garment factory worker in Bangladesh. It can be the child laborer in conflict mineral zones in Democratic Republic of Congo. It can be a Burmese worker in the Thai fishing industry. But it can also be someone taking care of a child in a park who's, who's been brought here as a domestic worker. It is a pervasive problem. It can be anywhere. That's not to say that we should all be paranoid and, and fearful of this, but I think we need to start seeing more community engagement in the issue, similar to the way we started broad community dialogues around gambling, around domestic violence, around violence against women. The Australian problem is maybe not as big as it is in other parts of the world, but it's much larger than is currently recognised. Ingrid Landau, is there a line of difference there between slavery in Australia, where it's extremely exploitative, but someone could walk off the farm and not be captured, whereas in the region it's harsher again? I certainly think there are cases, for example, one of the cases that has been successfully prosecuted um, in Australia involved two Taiwanese nationals who had basically brought other Taiwanese nationals to Australia and had them in houses, operating call centres in Brisbane. There was 49 of them in two houses that basically worked around the clock. They didn't get paid, they weren't free to leave and the Australian Federal Police only discovered it because one of the workers did eventually manage to escape. So that kind of actually physically confined workers does happen in Australia. Um, I think it's important to recognise that. But there are many types of situations that fall under our understanding of modern slavery which may not necessarily involve workers not being able to leave a physical location. So, for example, bonded labour, which is where workers um, borrow money and then they find that they're unable to pay that money back and they have to work to pay off the debt. In doing so, they render themselves incredibly vulnerable bonded labour, and that's actually the most common and widespread form of forced labour worldwide. And certainly we would find that kind of um, exploitation in Australia as well. Undocumented workers in Australia obviously are very vulnerable to exploitation because they know that they cannot easily leave and find another job within Australia. How broad is the impact of slavery? 
it's broad enough that most of the goods that we purchase um, will have modern slavery some, somewhere in their production. We purchase most of our electronic goods in Australia, mobile phones, laptops, computers, are, are produced in Malaysia and China. Um, and these are countries with very high risks of forced labour um, in the factories. One study, for example, in 2014, which went and interviewed um, workers in Malaysian electronics factory, estimated that over a quarter of these workers were in situations of forced labour. So they'd been recruited using deceptive means, they had their um, ID documents, their passports um, destroyed or withheld, and they didn't basically have any freedom to leave their jobs whatsoever. Most of our seafood that we purchase in the supermarket is produced in Southeast Asia, and we know there is a very high risk of modern slavery in the fishing industry in those countries. And the impact of slavery ripples out. Um, that market garden has an unfair advantage over a competitor who actually pays the legal wage. It also weakens the society, the regions where it happens. Yes, definitely. Slavery obviously has um, very negative consequences for the victims, um, for society, where it contributes to, I guess, um, more inequalities, um, more vulnerable populations. Um, it has implications, negative implications for businesses, um, like you said, businesses who do the right thing. And I think that was one of the drivers of the Mon Slavery Act um, last year was um, particularly larger businesses who are already taking steps to understand the risks of slavery and other human rights violations in their operations supply chains and taking steps and investing resources to try and address these, um, that they felt that they wanted a more level playing field. And the Modern Slavery Act was one way to make sure to encourage all businesses of a certain size um, to start doing this too. Heather Moore from the Trafficking and Slavery Research Group at Monash University. This might seem like an outrageous question, but is slavery bad for business? Slavery is bad for business because it poses particularly dire reputational risks to businesses. You know, no one wants to be caught out in the headlines having slavery found in their supply chain. But we're also seeing divestment and less access to capital by firms that continue to engage in unethical practices. So there's a lot more investor pressure coming down on two big multinationals to clean up their practices and ensure sustainable supply chains, not just in the, the in terms of modern slavery, but certainly across a range of, of other sustainability issues, including waste disposal, environmental impacts and, and whatnot, and broader human rights concerns. You're listening to Thought Capital from Monash Business School. I'm Michael Pascoe, talking to Ingrid Landau. We've got a new law, the Modern Slavery Act. What does it do? Does the book get thrown at people? The Modern Slavery Act is an additional measure upon our existing criminal law, criminal code provisions um, on slavery and forced labour. Um, and the Modern Slavery Act does not impose any kind of civil liability on individuals or organisations. Um, the Modern Slavery Act 2018 is about requiring companies, businesses, to start thinking about the risks of modern slavery in their operations and supply chains and taking steps to address these risks. So the Modern Slavery Act is more aimed at what's happening overseas than what is happening within Australia, or both? It is both, and I think that's a common misconception um, because people think, well, modern slavery 
tends to be overseas. So companies, when they're looking for possible modern slavery in their supply chains and operations, if my operations only exist within Australia, then I don't really have to have any risks. We have seen many cases, um, particularly, for example, in agriculture and hospitality, where just because you do not have any international connections with your business does not mean that you may not have um, one slavery somewhere in your supply chains. For example? In agriculture, for example, there was another case where um, it concerned a market garden property in Western Australia. It was discovered that the workers entered Australia lawfully, but then they'd overstayed their visas um, and they were subject to working conditions which had multiple indicators of forced labour. So they were housed um, altogether in substandard accommodation. They had deductions for rent unlawfully taken from their wages. They were paid below the minimum wage. That kind of um, entity, the market garden, obviously could be supplying many other businesses within Australia that we regularly frequent Um, restaurants, supermarkets, fruit and vegetable stores, we might not think would have any connections with slavery or forced labour. Why is it so hard to prosecute? The nature of business models today is that um, they are heavily reliant on supply chain, so multiple levels of contracting. And we know that generally the longer the supply chains, the more opaque they become and the further they generally extend into they extend to vulnerable workers, whether that's within Australia or internationally. Increasingly, companies rely not only on multiple tiers of contracting, but they rely on third-party labour recruiters or third-party arrangements, so they're not directly employing, engaging workers. Um, And we know that having those kind of intermediaries um, heightens the risk of exploitation of workers. How far is a company meant to go? in researching its supply chain. If I'm, if I'm putting a computer chip inside a gizmo, inside another gizmo, it's pretty hard to get right to the bottom, isn't it? For example, if you take an Apple iPhone, its, it's iPhone is manufactured by Foxconn, which is a Taiwanese company, but its factories are in China. Um, it's got 78 different kind of supply chains linked into bits of that iPhone. Even for Apple, what is a reasonable expectation of the company? The answer is that it's still evolving and what the Modern Slavery Act basically does is require companies to report on their entities and their supply chains, what risks there are and what measures they are taking to address those risks. Um, And so it basically recognises that for some companies they will be at the start. They might not have thought about this before, but they need to start now perhaps with their first tier of their supply chain and understanding the risks there. And then progressively, the expectation is that businesses will continuously improve their understanding of their risks and what they're doing um, to address those risks. What are the consequences for a company that doesn't? Well, I guess the biggest consequence for companies in Australia is that they will be um, basically sanctioned by the market um, and by consumers. That sounds... Waffly. That sounds like light touch regulation, as the Banking Royal Commission um, hit upon. The question of civil penalties was a very fiercely contested issue during the drafting of the bill and its passage through the Parliament. Under the current Act, there is no civil penalty for businesses that do not issue a modern slavery statement every year, but the Minister can write to non-compliant companies and ask them to explain why they're not 
in compliance. And if the company then fails to comply or to respond to that request, the minister may publish information on the non-compliant companies. So basically there's a potential from the minister to name and shame companies that don't comply. The only other upside um, to this is that in the Act there's a provision which says that the Act will be subject to review after three years. So by then we know that companies aren't taking this reporting obligation seriously. Um, That will be another opportunity for civil penalties to be introduced. The top five products at risk of modern slavery reportedly are laptops, mobile phones, clothes, fish, cocoa and sugarcane. Can I buy anything without supporting modern slavery? It's very difficult to do so, unfortunately. There are, of course, um, ways in which consumers can buy goods that purport to be slavery-free. I am sceptical of such claims. If consumers want to obviously improve the situation, they are ways that they can consume less, perhaps, and be willing to pay more for certain goods. But I think there's also a limit to what consumers can carry. Heather Moore again. Consumer demand for cheap goods and services is a contributing factor to business behaviour. And we see that particularly in the garment industry where high demand for a certain style of clothing ends up putting enormous pressure down the supply chain for um, really quick turnarounds. Really the next frontier is looking at how do we engage consumers and educating them about their role in contributing to and solving issues like modern slavery. Ingrid Landau, as a consumer, what can you do? Next year, um, if you are um, very interested, you'll be able to access the modern slavery statements of companies that are required to report. Um, So you can um, try and understand what the company is doing. Um, Hopefully, we will also see, as you've seen um, in the UK, um, that civil society will do a lot of the analysing, compiling, analysing and benchmarking different companies against each other. And that will make it easier for consumers. So we always already have, for example, Baptist Aid's fashion report that comes out each year, which rates fashion companies in Australia with anything from an A to an F. So they've done a lot of legwork for the consumers and consumers can quite easily, consulting one source, work out what are the leading companies um, that are doing good work and what are the, the laggards, I guess. Let's be theoretical. The Senate suddenly becomes very concerned about modern slavery. They ask you to come in, Ingrid Landau. What are you going to tell them they need to do? There are things that we can do to improve the Modern Slavery Act, things like civil penalties, so companies take the obligations more seriously, some kind of independent statutory body, a commissioner, for example, that is um, tasked with actually guiding and overseeing corporate compliance. So, for example, we have a New South Wales Modern Slavery Act which came in over the last year or two and they have a New South Wales Slavery Commissioner. We do not have that under our Federal Act. Government procurement, I think, is also a very important issue. The governments can lead by example, given that they have their own very large operations and supply chains, um, and that would be a a good and feasible um, place to start. Um, I'd also like to see um, greater um, kind of regulatory movement towards requiring companies to consider their adverse impacts on all human rights, um, not just modern slavery. What has been the corporate response to the Modern Slavery Act? 
The corporate response has generally been um, very positive. So as you can imagine, um, civil society really lobbied hard for the Act um, and a very significant part of the business community was also supportive of having a non-slavery reporting requirement modelled on the UK um, Act. Many companies genuinely believed that um, it's good for business. The question for us is to be watching very closely whether the Modern Slavery Act, as it is being passed, is it being taken seriously by businesses and what is its impact? If we can't see any impact um, on those people who are supposed to benefit from the initiative, those workers and very vulnerable um, individuals, that would, over the coming years, only strengthen the case for um, stronger and more comprehensive regulation of business in this area. Thank you, Ingrid Landau from the Department of Business Law and Taxation and to Heather Moore from the Trafficking and Slavery Research Group at Monash. You've been listening to Thought Capital from Monash Business School. You can find more episodes on iTunes, Spotify and Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode was produced by Tina Zanu, editor is Nadia Hume, sound production by Richard Edlin. Executive producer is Helen Westerman. Thought Capital is recorded at Monash School of Media, Film and Journalism.